Good morning, dear ladies. I can't believe it's two minutes after 10, so we're going to go through some prayer requests and get those down. Jan, it's great to see you. Yeah. Good morning, Sarah. I'm going to give you some quick updates. You've got a beautiful green sheet just for our class that Maya does every week for us. And so if you can keep a, a pen out handy for this. By the way, if you haven't seen Maya's Pretty Sparkle, then make sure that you see that and give, I was going to say give her a hug, but we're still kind of in COVID restriction. Okay, yeah, Maya's a hugger like I'm a hugger, so that's exciting. Let me give you um, some new prayer requests for this week. First of all, our Becky, who is right there uh, be behind Haley, uh, she's getting her left knee uh, replacement done. She's done so, she's going to be doing cartwheels and hopscotch, so, <laughs> yeah. And that's on uh, May the 20th, is that right? Okay, great. Uh, Cindy's Rachel, who is on our prayer sheet, um, is, is having... Uh, terrible trouble with her knee. That reminded me of Becky's. And Rachel is on our prayer sheet just as you uh, go through that. And then also a relative of Julie's, uh, Bob Anderson, is um, having cancer surgery. So uh, Julie Savage, and his name is Bob Anderson, and this week he is having cancer surgery. Speaking of surgery, um, Tom's surgery, Tom and Betty, Betty usually sits right there by Karen, had his surgery, and um, it went very well, but there are many other issues involved, and so it's going to be a continuing thing, but this surgery went very, very well. Sarah and Tara, it's great to see you. Um, Michelle, how is little Emily with that infection? Okay. Yes. Yes. Oh, praise the Lord. Okay. There is improvement. And, and the other improvement was uh, Roy's brother, Jerry, who is so down with the, uh, the COVID. He has had a 22% improvement. They, I guess they measured the lung is what I'm assuming, and so it's wonderful that he's turned that corner and is going the, the other way. Um, continue to pray for our rescue mission. They have just been, uh, they're working so hard all of the time, and uh, if you would just lift them up in prayer, the, the people and the staff, and especially our loved ones in our church um, who work so hard at the mission, put them on your prayer list. Um, yes. Right. Well, um, yesterday Brenda stopped by. He was back in the hospital for pneumonia. Oh, and so, um, that's so connected with the danger of COVID, yeah, uh, yeah. John Schultz. And there, he had gotten a shot, but they're still pretty sure he, I think he did test positive for COVID. Okay. Um, and that pneumonia just complicates yeah. it. So, Leslie, an update on our Carter. Praise the Lord. Um, some sort of lesion, and they're still 
I am so happy to hear that. <laughs> Yeah. Less mm -hmm. so, um, or his so body's getting used to it, you know, yeah, yeah. The big ugly. The big ugly has been taken away. Praise the Lord for that. I am thrilled to hear that. Our dear Cindy is going to take prayer requests, uh, anything that you have concerning our class to be lifted up in prayer, and then Maya gets that on our very relevant prayer sheet. Uh, I saw somebody come in that I did not know. Right here, yes. I'm Melinda. Melinda. I am Kathy, and I am so happy. And who is this little beauty? This is Ella. Ella, I'm so happy you can be here. That's great. And um, yes, and Jan, I want to introduce Jan uh, to the class. Some of you have met her from church, but first time in Sunday school, and I love it that you're in Sunday school, Jan. And many of you might not yet know Carol, uh, Carol in Sunday school. Or Leslie, up here. Leslie, so if you've not met these ladies, make it a point to um, do that. And so, um, it's, is it Melinda, did you say? Um, Kathy? Okay, yep, great. And then, did she get one? Okay, oh, okay, she did, yep. You guys are all on the ball, so that's great. That's great. You got me covered. I love it. All righty, great. Please go over the prayer sheet. There are some really vital, important things from the unspokens to um, just so many that we can lift each other up in prayer. So I just really encourage you to do that. For those of you um, who are new to class, Welcome, welcome, welcome. We are in a series, Psalm 23, The Lord is My Shepherd. And so let's start out in prayer. The very fact, the very privilege that we get to go to the Lord who is our shepherd in prayer to bless and teach each one of us the things that our heart so desperately needs today. He knows. Father, thank you for this morning. Father, thank you that you are our shepherd. Father, we are such needy sheep. And Lord, the needs that are represented in the hearts, in this room, you know each one. And Father, you want to work in and through each one of these needs for your glory. God, teach us. I love what David wrote. Teach me thy way, O Lord. I will walk in thy truth. Unite my heart with yours. I pray this for each of these dear ladies. Thank you for the answer to prayer that we've heard and so many of uh, these prayer requests. And, Lord, I lift up the other ones uh, that we commit to you, trusting in you with all of our heart, leaning not on our own understanding, but in all our ways acknowledging you, and you will direct us. Thank you, Father. Thank you for this study now in Psalm 23. Open our hearts to your word. And, Father, may we put everything else aside for just these next few moments and relish and enjoy what you are going to feed us. In thy precious name, amen. If you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm 23. And um, I gave you a review sheet. I do not have on our theme verse, so if you'd like to put down that reference of Hebrews 13, 20, and 21, that's our theme verse that we are going along with our Psalm 23 study. But Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. Now, two weeks ago, 
we focused on that little pronoun, my. I want us to say that phrase together, and I want you to really embrace and pronounce my. Ready? Here we go. The Lord is my you kind of convinced me. Let's do it again. Ready? The Lord is my shepherd. He's my shepherd. I am special to my shepherd. I'm not just lost in the crowd of God's family. I'm not even a middle kid, even though I am a middle kid. God says, child, you're mine. You're special. You are important to me. I know everything about you. Do you know what the Lord, my shepherd, knows about me? He knows the number of hairs on my head. He knows that they're a lot less than they were even two years ago. <laughs> the Lord knows my thoughts before I think them. He knows my words before I speak them, Tara. He knew my parts and numbered them before they were even formed. That's why the Lord is my shepherd personally. You find so much of that in Psalm 139. When you're not feeling special... You turn to your Bible to Psalm 139, and you read how special you are to God. The Lord is my shepherd. He knows where I'm at all the time. Even when I don't know where I'm at, and being so directionally challenged as I always am. I was in Trina's house yesterday. I came out of the upstairs bathroom. I turned the wrong way. That's how bad I am, you guys. I mean, I'm going, it's really pathetic, and I never go into these confession cycles to you because it's much more important is about what God does, not what, how Kathy is. God still loves me, and he knows where I'm at all of the time. little boy was in line at the cafeteria, and uh, there was a sign by the apples that read, only take one, God is watching. He goes through the rest of the line. He gets down to the dessert part where there's a big plate of chocolate chip cookies. And he says to his buddy, take all you want. God's down there with the apples. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, so God is everywhere. And he is with you and me in everything that we experience every moment, every valley and every green pasture because that's where we left off we're going to look at the green pastures that God provides he is the he is the good shepherd and he's my shepherd so tuck that into your heart and head this morning with all of these prayer requests with all of the burdens and the responsibilities and weights that we all carry every day don't forget the Lord is my shepherd, and that's why we can walk through these things and experience every day with God's joy in our heart and God's peace in our heart. Now, <clears throat> we began this study. I don't know when we began it. I have to go look in my notes. But we began the study with focusing on the first two words. We're going to springboard into the part where we left off two weeks ago. But you have to get your footing where it needs to be. And it begins with those first two words. Nicole, it's good to see you. It begins with the Lord. The Lord. Now, just in notation to this, and you're thinking, the Lord. I, I gave you a homework sheet on some great verses about the Lord. You see, Psalm 23 is not about you and me, the sheep. It's not about how willful we are, how stubborn we are, how fearful we are, how, excuse me, how stupid we are. Of all the livestock, the sheep requires the most care of any other animal. Isn't that a picture of us, our constant neediness? But Psalm 23 is all about 
the Lord. And all of these wonderful truths that we're going to study and, and get into, they are all rooted, connected to this first great fact, the Lord, the Lord. And then all, you know, he is the vine, we are the branches. Everything we study in the rest of Psalm 23 is connected to the vine. And you've got to stabilize who you are. See, it gives me not just my identity, the Lord is my shepherd, but it gives me my security, the Lord. Psalm 100 and verse number 3, know this, God's word says, know that the Lord, ready, he is God. The Lord who is our shepherd, he is God. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people, and ready? Yeah, the sheep of his pasture, which takes us back to Psalm 23. So now with that in mind, that was review, getting us back into this beautiful study. Psalm 23. Philip Keller who is a shepherd, well, he's in heaven now, was a shepherd, an author. He's an expert on sheep. He was a pastor. We are to the point where the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Well, we spent so many good weeks there. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. That's where we're at. Philip Keller writes, you cannot make a sheep lie down. Isn't that amazing? He says, four requirements must be met in order for a sheep to lie down. The first one is freedom from fear. A sheep will not experience that green pasture and rest if a sheep is filled with fear or has fear. And of all the animals, the sheep is the most fearful. Isn't that a parallel? And we spent about three weeks on this very first aspect that the Lord provides he says, child, I've got a green pasture for you today. But if you are living in fear, you are not going to experience it. And we, we talked about the green pasture, the smell, the feel. <coughs> Those of us who, you know, are earthy, I love. Didn't you love the spring rain this morning? We did so much planting. And, oh, it was just a perfect rain. And the smells. And then the birds. The birds were so happy because they were all saying, Where's the beef? The beef is coming. The worms were coming up, you know. And so they were just thrilled. They were thrilled. But to, to experience laying down in a green pasture, there's just nothing like it. Unless you're a kid and you get to roll down the hill, you know. And so, well, yeah, you want to pick your pastures. But the Lord has a green pasture for us to experience, and he wants us to be there every single day. Um, a sheep, will not, a sheep will not find that green pasture if they are filled with fear. And, you know, because of that clock, I'm not going to go into the review, but let me just say this. We spent three weeks on, the, on how we so live in fear. It's, it's a natural reaction to circumstances and people, and boy, I tell you what. And, and you know another interesting fact is the devil is not all that concerned that you're in Sunday school this morning. Now, he... He uh, offers up all kinds of platters of excuses to keep people from church, everything from, you know, carnal choices, wrong choices, to COVID, 
to keep people from church. But his real emphasis, his true weapon, is what we're going to get to at the end of the lesson. I am thrilled that you are in Sunday school. I am thrilled beyond words. We still have a lot of people not in Sunday school and church because of, ready, fear. Fear. We are careful, but my word, girls, fear grows. Fear grows. Fear then becomes debilitating. And you cannot live in fear. God's word says, I've not given you the spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. Now let me enable you. And there are times to stay home, and there are times to protect yourself. We're very protective because of Clint. Clint still doesn't stand in the back and shake hands with people. Well, we don't shake hands anyways anymore. We just bump, you know, we fist bump. We do the COVID bump. <laughs> we do the COVID bump, so yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's very important, but we're not to live in fear. Um, there's, there's no rest. And so... We also studied the sweet peace that passes understanding when we choose God's way to deal with circumstances and people that cause us to fear. God supplies a peace, and when you experience that, that's when you are able to go to that green pasture. And whether you get rear-ended with your car, whether you get uh, an unexpected bill, whether you get a bad doctor's report, those are all things that so put us in fear. And God says, no, 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 I have a plan for this pain. I have a plan for this pain. And it is a beautiful plan because I am the good shepherd. And it's going to be your opportunity, ready, to give light, to glorify me, which is going to, and teach you things that you never would know until you learn to see what I see. When we are in fear over anything, I don't care whether it's something minuscule or something major, that is my opportunity to switch. And that's why God gives us a sound mind. He says, okay, you're fearing, Kathy. What do you need to do? I need to change my mind about the way I think. First of all, I commit it to God. God, you, you know all about this. You knew about this even before I knew about this. And God, I commit it to you. We're going to go through four steps at the end of the lesson to reevaluate because what we're going to get into with the green pasture and um, the, second, the second freedom that God provides that we get to put into good works um, has to do, it's the same four steps of what we put into fighting fear. Um, there's something I was going to say about fear, but we've got to get off that. We spent so much time on that, but it's so good. And just like Vivian and I were talking this morning, we forget so quickly. Now, if you feared about something yesterday, God is saying, child, you're my sheep. I made you. I know the way you are. And I've got something to teach you and show you that you're going to love as you experience this fearful time. And God doesn't say, open up your eyes. You know what he says? Open up your faith. Your faith, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by what? The word of God. God has something he wants to teach me in this thing that I am fearing. And what he teaches me makes me more like him. And another thing it does, it makes me scooch right up close to him. And there's no better place to be. 
Okay, we've, we've got to get on to the second requirement. That has to be met so that we can experience green, green pastures. Oh, there was so much more that I wanted to give you. No, we'll, we'll, if the Lord tarries next week, we may do it. Here's the second reason. A sheep will not lie down. Ready? This is, this is so good. This goes, moves into a whole different area. The second reason a sheep will not lie down is agi agitation in the flock. Agitation in the flock. If that sheep is agitated by those she is living with or is around, she will not find a green pasture. She will not rest. She won't even lay down. So if home sweet home is not home sweet home, if home life is hard life, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. And we whine, but it's not my fault. Mm-hmm. Hmm. It's the first spot we get stuck. We will never find a green pasture when we blame. Never, never, never. God does not work in my blaming. He works in my trusting and in my seeking his answer. But we're going to go into those steps in just a minute. Understand step number one, when I don't find rest for my soul and my spirit, often it's because of agitation with somebody. Maybe it's a boss, maybe it's coworkers, maybe it's a relative, maybe it's a husband, maybe it's children. Agitation in my soul and spirit is a direct result of never finding that beautiful rest that we're to experience every day. And then the next consequence is we lose our sparkle. We lose our sparkle. When we're agitated, we're not sparkling. We're sweating bullets or we're spitting bullets, okay? That's not sparkle. <laughs> your, cookie, your cookie has sparkle on it. And God says, child, this is the very thing that I want to use today in you to make your sparkle. Sparkle. When I blame, I go into a dark place. It's our natural reaction and I stay locked there, it's like going to the basement and the lights don't work. It's a dark place. There's no green pasture. Well, the Lord who is my shepherd says, child, my word is a lamp unto your feet. What's that? Oh, you should see the lights that Daniel put up in Trina and Daniel's yard. It's those, are they the Edison lights, you know, that you string? I think they are, yeah. And, and, I had a lamppost that was in the way, and it found the perfect home at Trina's home. And so Daniel's got the lamppost working, and God's word says, you're not going to see what I need you to see until you get in my word. My word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Sometimes in the middle of a problem, you, you and I stand there and we say, I don't know which way to go. God does, and he wants to direct me. So a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Let my word determine you. This is in a footnote of if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. There's been something said, something done, and mama ain't happy. My first response to that needs to be let God's word determine me. Stop letting people's words determine me. Now, I do have an asterisk beside that because often in the heat of anger or disagreement or problems, things get said that will have a seed of truth in them. 
So when somebody barrages all over you, I'm not just saying ignore it, forget it. I am saying remember God's opinion about you. And then it's really important that we pray David's prayer, search me, oh God, and know my heart. See, my deceitful heart will automatically cover up any wrongdoing on my part. I will justify anything I want to say or give me permission to respond with or do because, because my heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. And God says, Kathy, if you will pray, if you will ask me to search your heart, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you just to make known, you know what? You've got some skin in this game. It isn't all their fault. And then when the Holy Spirit makes it, for, for instance, do you need an example? Okay. When, when we were first married, um, see, we all deal with words people say in different ways when we are attacked with words. Now, Doug is loud. And... And I, I'm loud when I'm having fun. I am a loud person. <laughs> and I'm an excitable person. But when I'm hurt, I'm quiet. And, and so problem solving in the beginning of, of marriage as we're learning to live together and love each other more because we're living together and because we're married and we want this to grow and we want it to be better every day. But in the heat of anger, you forget all that stuff. And so, I can still remember we were in a little dumpy apartment upstairs. Doug had an, another year of college, and he was yelling at me. Oh, come on. Do I deserve that? You all say, no. I don't remember what it was about, but I remember being shocked and hurt that this beautiful, wonderful husband who loves me more than life itself, and he does, would yell at me. And so I get real quiet, and I stay quiet. And much later, he said, oh, okay, so, well, how long is the silent treatment going to last? And I said, well, the Bible says, answerest thou not a fool, lest thou become like him. <laughs> See, I, I have all the right answers. Yeah. It was the wrong answer. And I hurt him deeply. The precious thing about, about Doug is as loud as he is, he is so quick to forgive. And he is so quick to apologize. And he's so quick to make right the wrong. But me, holier than thou, who is quiet, is prideful. And it is so much harder for the Holy Spirit to break down that pride than to break down a shouty loudmouth. And my sin and my fault was so much deeper and rooted in so much harder than my dear husband's. But I only came to that beautiful knowledge through prayer. God, where am I failing? What am I? Show it to me. 
And the Holy Spirit goes, <laughs> you know. And, and so when I say, when I say, don't let people's words determine you, let God's word determine you, understand the asterisk in that. There probably is a seed of truth somewhere in this that I need to examine and have the Lord show me with his magnifying glass rather than with my blinders to Kathy. So, so first of all, um, or second of all then, know that the Lord wants to determine me and this problem with his word. Um, so number one, stop blaming. Number two, remember the Lord is in control of this moment. That was number true to the Lord. Going back to what we prefaced, the Lord, the Lord who made heaven and earth and some of the verses I gave you, the Lord who says, fear not, child, take my hand, I will help thee. This Lord is in control of this moment. Remember who he is and call on him. Okay, that's, that's, that's prayer, the prayer life. And it's not just repetitive problem God help me, God help me. God. That, that's, not, that's not prayer, girls. That's repeating the darkness I'm in. Prayer is beginning with honoring God, the Lord. Thank you. And everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. This, for just a moment, gets my tunnel vision off the problem or off the person and puts it on the Lord by giving thanks. God, thank you. You know all about this. God, thank you. You know. You know all about that wretched person. <laughs> For just a second, it takes my eyes off this, this problem. Say, you know what they did. You know what they said. Blah, blah, blah. Don't go back there. Go back to the Lord. Um, Where are my points? Okay, so remember who he is and call on him. Uh, there was a verse I wanted to give you. I, I will come to it. I will come to it later. Um, and then here's, here's where the rubber meets the road. Don't just know his word. Don't just know it. Put it into practice. Obey it. But now there's another asterisk by this. Something that I have half written at home, and maybe I'll give it next week, because it was so real. That's how I knew, I knew, but I wasn't anticipating using it. Okay? When you are, when you have your prayer time in the morning, it is vital for when you open up God's word, and maybe it's 10 minutes, maybe it's 15 minutes, maybe it's a half an hour. It changes at every stage of life. Maybe you get an afternoon to be in God's word. Whenever you're in God's word, whether it be in Sunday school or church or your personal devotions, ask the Lord, anticipate the Lord speaking to your heart about something. Don't go through the motions of it. God, give me, and then, and then write it down. My brain anymore cannot keep a whole verse in its head. So I write down a piece of it or a direct, God is good. I am the light of the world. Father, make me light today. What, whatever it is, write it down in your journal or on your hand or on your grocery list. 
and all day long revel in that truth that God has given you for that day. And you will not believe how it meshes into your day, and God uses that to minister to you and me. You know what? It takes me to the green pasture all day long, Leslie. We've got to get into the second point in a better way. These are the four steps. They will be applicable for all these four freedoms that a sheep must experience before she will lay down. So don't just know his word. Put it into action. Obey it. Walk in the light. Okay, your cookie sparkles. Walk in the light. John 8, 12. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness. Last week, were you walking through some darkness because of something or someone? Yes, we all do. And God says, get out of the dark, Kathy. I've got a light place that I want you to walk. It's right by me, and I want you to be a child of light. Ye are the light of the world. See, there's something so much bigger going on here than your little problem. People need me. People, and people are watching, especially your children, especially your family, especially your husband. Be light for him. Make his load a little lighter by being light. Again, this goes back to home sweet home. And we're going to get into that a little bit deeper. John 8, 12, excellent verse for this. Um, you shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. That's my sparkle. That's what shows. And it only shows because this hard thing or this hard person has sent me scurrying to my shepherd. That's where you run to. You don't run away. You don't run away. I was talking to a lady this past week, and her first response always with confrontation is to just run away. Well, a sheep does that too. And you know what they do? They run off a cliff. <laughs> they do. They run to destruction. Don't run away. Don't run away. Run to your Lord. Run to your shepherd. He's got something he wants you to see in this, which is so beautiful. Know that Satan wants to destroy your home. Okay, because you know what? Doesn't this sound so perfect in Sunday school? It does. Then why is it so hard at home? Because Satan wants to destroy your home. It goes back to the fact of he's not all that concerned that you're in Sunday school while he doesn't like it. This is not the test. This is not reality. Satan is out to destroy your home. The home. My heart breaks in America over homes. And I can't go there. But understand the more divided and shattered homes become. And I'm not talking about in the world, I'm talking about in Christianity. See, we are the light of the world. And the more our homes are shattered and divided, and broken, the more the light lessens. Wouldn't it be amazing to have homes? Oh, first let me tell you, that's where Satan attacks. Satan knows it's the home. And he knows that a child will forgive just about anything except hypocrisy. There is no sin harder on the home than the sin of hypocrisy. A child will not forgive it, and a child will not forget it. And all of you can put in reverse right now your own childhood, and you remember the times, mom and dad. 
were a hypocrite. You never forget it. Satan knows that. Um, but the opposite of that coin is this. Know that a faith lived in the home is never forgotten. The word of God will never return void. And that's why it becomes so powerful to live my faith in the home because that's going to last far longer than Kathy's ever going to last. That influence goes on forever and reaches the next generation. So the worst tool that Satan uses becomes the best tool that God wants us to implement into our home, a walking, working faith. Some of you are thinking, oh, Kathy, you just don't know my home. Or you don't know the home I was rear <laughs> raised in. We raise farm animals, we rear children, okay? <laughs> and some of you grew up in homes that was a barn, it was an animal kingdom. And it was survival of the fittest. It's hard. Well, do you know what the birds use to build their homes? Sticks and stones hard things to build their home. When I say sticks and stones, what do you think of? I think of that childhood ditty, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. So not true. So not true. And God says, all right, sheep, especially ewes, E-W-E, those are the, is that the female sheep? Okay, yeah. Ewes. Look at the lady next to you and say, ewes, ewes, ewes. <laughs> this is for ewes, all right? I'm equipping you with something that will soften and pad your nest. God doesn't take away the hardness. God doesn't take away the pointy things. He says, no, I'm equipping you with something that is going to, first of all, soften. Secondly, it's going to show my glory. Thirdly, it's going to change you. It's a three-in-one package deal, and this is what I'm giving you to use for those hard, stony places and those hard, stony people. Ready? It's your words. Your words. Your words. Proverbs 31:26. In her tongue is the law of kindness. This will soften and pad my nest better than a sleep number bed. I can set that setting on the softest because I am in control of my words. It comes down to really the last choice that I have. It's my choice to respond with the right words from God's word in any situation with any person, whether it be a circumstance or a person. You know, there was a period of time when I lived with so much fear. I had to choose my... It became the time in which my morning prayer life is saturated with let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, those are my thoughts, be acceptable. Is fear, are my fearful thoughts acceptable to God? Not at all. God can't work in my fear. He can only work in my faith. And we're going to get this step in just before we go. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable unto thee, O Lord, my strength. Were you weary last week? Check your words. Check your words. My strength and my redeemer. God knew the moments in my day that were going to just rot. 
And he says, I'm the redeemer of the rotten. Let me redeem this moment. Kathy, speak the words of truth. In her mouth is the law of kindness. Now, that's an oxymoron, law and kindness. When I speak of law, think of law, I think of, you know, getting a ticket. Okay. So, but God says, no, no, this law is going to save your life. Put this law into action and make it a law, ready, in your nest. Learn to pad and soften those naturally hard, stony things that come up every day, and I have given you the ability to do it with your words. Every morning, commit your tongue to the law of kindness. Make a commitment in your morning prayer, but then, and now here is the key, and I have to stop here. If the Lord tarries next week, because the next part is really good. We don't anticipate actually putting into practice. We pray about it, and this is where I was, and this is what's still half written on my, I was going to say my typewriter, on my computer. Okay. <laughs> but I couldn't get it in a way that I wanted to present it to you. So I knew it. I knew it so well. And I knew when I had done it wrong. And I just kept doing it wrong. I just kept doing it wrong. I just kept fearing. And it seemed like a vicious cycle. And I couldn't get off that treadmill. I thought, what am I doing wrong? And the sweet spirit of God and the word of God says, child, spend more time praying about it. And then I will teach you to anticipate what I am going to do. This is it. Learn to anticipate God working. Get that in your head and heart. And with this law of kindness and speaking and softening, it, it goes like this. In the first five minutes of your day, look forward to using words, the ability that God has given you and me as ewes, to soften somebody else's day. To, uh, if you're alone as a widow, call as long as it's not 6.30 in the morning. But, you know, and, and, and say those words out loud to yourself. Sing unto the Lord. Make a joyful noise in those first moments. Direct your thoughts and your words to the Lord and then to soften somebody else. Somebody's going to be grumpy. Somebody's going to be whiny. My granddaughter, Autumn, I just love the tone of her voice. It was that whiny tone from, from birth to about four years old. She had this nasal quality. And that was precious to me because I was grandma. Okay. So, but it's like, Grandma, I didn't get one. And I'd say, how do you ask, honey? Oh, Grandma, I didn't get one. May I have one, please? You see, not only do the, does the tone change, the words change. Politeness sets in. Because of kind words. Now, we're going to go into this to a beautiful extent. And I always, oh, I have to wrap up. I have to. <laughs> Understand, you have a power given to you. Proverbs says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. I think it's Proverbs 14, but I'm not sure. We have the opportunity this afternoon anticipate how you can use this God-given miracle called your tongue and your mouth to soften your nest, to soften somebody else's hard time. And you will start to sparkle. You will be that cookie as you bring God's light, his word, into your words 
and you pass it on. Oh, there's so much more. I can't wait to get into it. <laughs> Father, please work in our hearts. Father, may we make a difference this afternoon in our homes because of the words of our mouth. May I, may I be excited about what I get to say this afternoon to somebody who really needs it. In thy precious name, amen.